Avengers! Welcome back to Entertainment Talk. Today we're here to do, I guess, a lockdown-style podcast with almost everybody. Uh, I'm your host, Matthew. Joining me today, I have uh, four different co-hosts, which is a lot more than usual. Um, But joining me today is Gray. Hello. Dex. Hey, how you doing? David. Hello. And Robert. How's it going? Good, yeah. So, uh, like David sort of said about on Twitter, hopefully the bandwidth can handle all this. And, um... We'll see how how things go, but uh, I think we've got a fairly exciting podcast. We've got um, three different topics each to uh, discuss, and we're just going to go through them, uh, put some input in each, and uh, take things from there. Uh, But how is everybody doing in this um, difficult period? I'm quite good. I work from home anyway, so, you know, (laughs) not that much different for me. Good, good. Uh, I'm going to go in random order here. I'm going to just pick out some different people. Uh, but Gray had a fairly big topic he wanted to go to, which could impact the entire entertainment industry, which is what we're here to talk about. Uh, Gray, you wanted to talk about um, well the virus and how it's affecting things at the moment. Yeah, I suppose as a really observant person, and previously I worked in the teaching industry as a media and film teacher, there were some really interesting approaches to how the TV channels cope with corona throwing loads of content out there to keep us satisfied but recently and i know dave's gonna share some of my comments like what's going to happen beyond as now tv channels start holding back and pulling back on putting all their content out there there's a bit of a worry about what we're going to look like post corona and now the tv and film industry are all starting to come up with their ideas about what it could look like beyond and i don't know what you any of you had any ideas or thoughts or would like any musings really that's what i'm here to talk about what could it be like in a few months time when we're sitting down to talk about our tv programs and films well i mean there are uh, a few things still um in the can already so i mean we, we're not we're not completely devoid of content yet uh so i mean there's there is stuff that is uh, scheduled to come out um particularly you know both both sides of the atlantic actually i mean there there are stuff that there is stuff that has already been filmed um so and, and there are things that they're doing post-production on and post-production it, some of it can be done away from where they would usually do it some of it can't like um you know we've had the issue with the last episode of uh, walking dead uh so they've not managed to do that in po- all the post-production on that for whatever reason but then they're still saying shows like the mandalorian they are still set to come out in october um and there's a lot of post-production on that but then that's disney so you know if you, <laughs> that that's probably the difference between you know the amount of money that disney have compared to the amount of money that amc have yeah D- disney can just ship all their people computers high enough spec to do remote working from exactly yes and couriers to move the files around if needed yes so i mean it, it kind of depends really um but i mean it's it's not only the stuff that we're going to be watching it's also when are they actually going to get back to filming because at the moment that's still not clear so yeah i mean they've released some guidelines actually uh the british film institute uh or board whatever they're called released a bunch of guidelines about what they need to do on set because they've talked about various things about 
essentially locking the entire crew uh, in one location. So all the cast and crew will will share one particular location and will nobody else will be allowed near them, um, which is okay if you're doing a film and that's like three, six weeks, whatever it is, where you're shooting that movie. The problem is if you're a TV show and you're shooting over a period of six months, that becomes somewhat trickier. So um, it doesn't really, it works okay for film, but not really for, for TV in that particular case. But they're talking about, you know, having to do safety training for it, having um, people on set that are kind of a COVID supervisor on set, uh, briefing about sort of, you know, making sure that people are, are too distant, you know, two meters apart. And I'm not entirely sure how you're going to make that work on set. Um, I, I mean, I, it, it seems, I, I don't know. I don't know how you can kind of go back to filming stuff and still be in a safe way as i say with films you can potentially kind of insulate people to some extent but um with a tv show where people are essentially you know going home afterwards that that becomes a lot more difficult to do we took so much for granted i suppose when we you know waited weekly for our updates and our episodes we just didn't realize the impact that it would potentially have and something like this it's it's you know, we had the writer's strike many years ago in the US and that did hit the industry quite hard. But this is a whole different level, isn't it? It's a whole different way that the the industry has got to move forward. Um, it's just, yeah, I think we took a lot for granted and there are going to be changes. It'd just be interesting to see how long it takes for those changes bec- to become established, established models of working. Yeah, and it, it's how they can set that up as well. So... Um, yeah, I, and I, I don't know, and I, I don't know when they're going to be allowed to go back either. That's the other thing right now, because the problem is that, um, none of the pilots have been filmed yet. And, you know, usually we'd be, we'd be hitting this point where all the pilots would start coming out and, you know, all the upfronts will be happening and we'd be getting this information about, you know, here are all the new shows coming and we'll be getting new trailers. But, uh, so far, none of the pilot pilots have been shot. Sorry, one pilot has been shot so far out of 50-something shows. Mm. So um, that that's also a problem because if they can't get back to filming soon, then you are going to end up with, you get to the uh, fall season in the US and they aren't going to have things to show. Then you've got a problem. <laughs> I mean, this would be a very good sort of point in time for people to the industry to start looking at um, slightly different ways of delivering their media because you have like various other countries like Japan is obviously a prime example where animated shows aren't just aimed at kids or used for things like, you know, the Simpsons and occasional things and full on dramas and historical, you know, uh, documentaries and all kinds of things like everything you can think of, there will be like an anime series for it. And it starts to make me wonder if we could start, you know, if people start looking to that kind of thing or if they haven't started looking at it, why not? Because you can do that in a very decentralized way. You can have all your animators working remotely and all your voice actors working remotely. And it makes me wonder for the new things that people start pitching, wouldn't it be pretty sensible at this point to start looking at things like that and to looking at more things which are sort of based a little bit more, or you know, even just looking at things that are like radio dramas again, sort of mm. a, this this would be a prime time for people to test out if that 
has any chance of getting any traction because I think it's proven from, you know, the amount of people that watch anime and the amount of people that watch, you know, sort of uh, animated things in the West that are, they think are aimed at children and teenagers then realise it has a huge adult fan base, things like Young Justice, for example. Uh, maybe we could start looking to these other mediums as a way of um, ensuring some more things can get produced. Yeah, I, that is one of the things. And they're also looking at, um, you know, when when they are filming, trying to reduce the amount of extras that they have on set by putting digital backgrounds in. But there's only a certain amount you can do of that. Um, you know, if it's a cafe scene, it's kind of, you know, it's one thing if it's a big crowd, but if it's like a cafe scene or you're out on the street and it's people walking past, I, I don't see how you can do that digitally. Um I mean, you could possibly green skin. A lot more things it, but... set in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need a lot more things where it makes sense for the background to look slightly out of sync or alien with what's going on. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned the animated thing, though, because they announced this week that the uh, the finale of the Blacklist is going to be part animated because oh. that that was... Uh, well, sorry, it's not. Uh, yeah, it is. It's the finale episode uh, because that was the episode. It wasn't supposed to be the finale episode, but the last episode that they filmed. So it is going to be the final. It's the 19, 19th episode of the series. Um, they um, got about halfway through filming when they were shut down and they can't get back to it. So they have got the actors to record the lines and they're using a sort of graphic novel style animated thing to uh, complete it apparently there have been some blacklist graphic novels so it's going to be done in the style of those apparently yeah visual graphic novels is something which has never quite caught on it's kind of a halfway house between a full animation and looking at, at sort of static images um it's yeah. an interesting idea it's a fairly cost effective and speedy way of getting things out um i would like to see people moving towards doing some full animated things because we have you know, it's something you can do globally and you can make a lot more things that way. But it is interesting that, yeah, that a show like that is picking up on that to do as a, as a hybrid in a single episode just so they can get to their get to the end of their series. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how ingenuity will come into play and how this may broaden our, our different types of, of media and the different creation methods used for our media. And I think, you know, that there, there are never going to be many silver linings at all from a situation like this but perhaps if it's something that that makes people look a little bit broader at how they're creating things it could lead to some really interesting output yeah i'm excited by it but also quite nervous as well yeah i agree with you bex mm. yeah i mean one of the um kind of standout points at the moment is uh you've got things like the arrowverse shows that are running which have had to cut down to what 19 episodes from 23 so if they can't even film like the last couple of episodes of their current season they're really going to obviously struggle to get back in their usual October slots and obviously like David said as well you've got um, slightly different scenarios where the Walking Dead finale, the season 10 episode 16 finale has been filmed but they haven't managed to get out and do like the extra sort of work for it and stuff so it re it makes me kind of wonder a little bit specifically about some of the, because obviously they're, they're sort of network uh, TV shows and stuff and uh, they're, they're usually the kind of networks that rely 
on the sort of longer 21, 22 season, episode seasons or whatever. Because uh, Blacklist does that as well, doesn't it? Um, they sort of have yeah. like longer seasons and stuff. Uh, and you also had things like a very different situation with things like Empire, where they're on their final season. So they've got like an ending that they've literally got to do. Cobbled um, together. Yeah. The Empire one's interesting because they've literally cobbled that together. <laughs> they they uh, had filmed not even bits for the final episode. The final episode hadn't been filmed at all, I don't think. So they ended up cobbling the final episode together out of the penultimate episode and a few of the bits and pieces that I think they they may have shot a couple of little bits for the finale, but it wasn't anywhere near the finale they were supposed to have. And most shows, you know, when they're on their final season, um, have said, yeah, well, there is a big thing coming up. I've said, oh, okay, we'll, we'll come back and, and we'll do it. Like Supernatural has got like two episodes left to film. And obviously that's on its final season as well. Um, so there are a couple of shows that are ending this year that have, have, have got that problem. Uh, so Supernatural is going to come back. They've actually what they actually did was they they stopped it much earlier. So they effectively split the season in half. So it's not going to be like a couple of episodes just on their own. They they've split the season in half and they're going to bring it all back later in the year when they can start filming again. Um, but yeah, with Empire it was very strange because they made absolutely zero effort to to go back and like say okay we'll we'll give you the proper finale they just went now nah, we're gonna take stuff out of the penultimate episode and cobble that together to make it work <laughs> so i've not seen it so i don't know it could have been fabulous okay. but um yeah, wonder, yeah. yeah it depends what, what the final with. episode was yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we talked about this kind of thing before at one point dave yeah. where we, i said sometimes the final episode of a show like you look at stuff like um things that are very wrong running series is stuff like charmed was an example i used the final episode of that is just a nostalgic thing where they just show what happens to the characters and it actually contains no plot whatsoever. It's just yeah. a nice thing. So if their final, final episode was just kind of a nice, friendly way of saying goodbye to all the characters and the plot actually finished the episode before, that could make sense. If yeah. that isn't the case, I, I am curious to know what on earth they've made with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 The only thing that I'm kind of shocked about is that they haven't, the, some of the studios haven't used this whole shutdown as an excuse to cancel underperforming shows that have already been renewed. Uh, going back to the Arrowverse, mm. um, Batwoman and Supergirl's ratings are actually down um, during this uh, isolation period, even though pretty much everything else viewership is up because everybody's stuck at home. Mm. And those, both of those shows have gotten renewed for another season, but they're both like, I know Batwoman is down 75% from the pilot episode, um, I haven't really hit track of Supergirl for a while, but I'm really shocked that nobody said, well, the, we can't film it, so we're just going to go ahead and cancel it, even though they've already uh, renewed it. Yeah, could it be because they have another crisis thing that they're already leading up to, so they need those characters? I I, I think it, it's possibly a mixture of, of maybe there's a crisis thing, maybe it's also the fact you don't want to upset Greg Berlanti by cancelling some of his shows because half of the network is for Greg Berlanti shows at the moment. Um, so there may be a certain amount of that to it. Um, and also it's the CW and they don't cancel anything. I, mm. I mean, you really, really, really have to be doing very, 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 very badly to get cancelled on the CW. So... I'd um, love to see them um, tighten the quality of some of those shows. So the post-crisis yeah. 
episodes of Supergirl and and um, Flash I've not been impressed with. And you think, could this be a reason that they, they tighten and drop to maybe 13, 10 episodes? You know, mm. that could be a good outcome of this. Like, let's get some more quality in these terrible filler episodes, which drop the ratings and then yeah. give that, that program a really bad press for those weeks could be gone in the future. Well, let's focus on quality, short series, and then they're going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. I, I would actually quite like that. I mean, I would like to see, particularly with the Arrowverse stuff, um, I, I would like to see everything drop down to 12, uh, 12 to 16 episodes and them introduce maybe some other like spin-off character shows. So introduce more DC characters, but so you could still make the same amount of episodes, but only you only then need the plot lines to go over like 16 episodes or so. Yeah, but they could, could easily do some mini things as well. Like I still want a Cisco and Gypsy mini spin off, you know, <laughs> the, the adventures of them or some of the like they've got all these alternate universes and alternate timelines they could easily do. Well, well, yeah, you know, but they could easily do some mini arcs using some of the other characters they already have. So Mm. they wouldn't need this these kind of standard filler episodes. We could actually have a free arc thing as like a break in the middle of their primary plot as like an awesome little mini bonus rather than just watching episodes and wondering when it's actually going to move forward at all. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, there's so many DC characters you could pick from. I mean, I still, I'd, I'd love to see a Booster Gold series. I'd love to see a Booster and Blue Beetle series. <laughs> that um, would be amusing. Yeah, you know, I, you could, or you could do them as kind of one-off runs to see whether they work or not. I mean, you know, or mini runs, or the, the, there's so many characters you could pick from in that sort of DC DC pantheon of like his heroes they're not exactly short of stuff to work with. So maybe I'd like to see them chop them down a little bit and then bring some more shows in. I mean, you know, that that would be worthwhile, I think. Yeah, it's easy to do with some of their properties as well. You look at something like Flash and it is quite lighthearted yeah. and they are happy to jump around. Obviously, like, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, in, they don't care at all about timelines or plot consistency anyway, so they're fine. But you could easily do things with Flash. And I'm kind of thinking of, strangely, it made me think of the episode of the last series of Red Dwarf where Rimmer goes on a hunt through every alternate universe to find a version of himself that's nice. Um, yes. And you could almost do easily do things like that where Flash goes and meets other heroes in other cities and just do episodes where there's like one episode where he goes and meets this person and goes and meets it. You know, you could... You know, you could easily make ways of, of making the episodes less filler and more like testers for new characters or ways of just introducing some variety. Because I feel like some of these series is definitely with Arrow. I was feeling it a while ago that they've just kind of gone beyond their run and they're just mm-hmm. they're just kind of making more plot because it's popular and not because they necessarily have that much to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, kind of a funny, weird uh, story along that line. There is actually a script floating around for Booster Gold. And I only know that because a local retired uh, professional athlete in the city where I live is becoming more and more like internet savvy and media savvy. And he's been doing a lot of stuff. And one of the things that he was talking about was trying to buy the rights to that script to try to get it made. (laughs) And... Just, yeah, it was it, there was a there was a movie script I think they wrote, wasn't it? It was yeah, yeah. There was a movie script that was there was talk about them doing that for a while, and then it it kind of disappeared. So, uh, but I think it, they'd make a great TV show, a booster, a booster, particularly booster and 
Blue Beetle, and it would fit into the Arrowverse really well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and people well, have an did... appetite for this kind of thing as well. We have had the success with the the fun characters in the CW series. Is look how well people took things like Shazam and and shows like that, you know, and um, the movies that have these more lighthearted characters. They seem to go down pretty well. I, I think they've got a good chance that it would have a decent uptake. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they did have Booster Gold once. This, that was during. Uh, the Smallville run, like towards the end, I yeah, think he was on like one episode. Yeah, 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 he was. So, and he's a, he's a great character, and I I think that will be really good. Going back to your original point though about you know them using it as an excuse to to cancel stuff, in some respects it's actually been the opposite because because of the fact that they can't shoot any pilots, so they're not entirely sure about what's going to work and what isn't. They've A lot of the networks seem to be kind of taking a battle the devil you know approach to it and renewing more things than... Because, like, CBS did all their renewals and uh, there was a bunch of things, which was four or five shows that they had, which were sort of bubble shows and could have gone either way. And they got renewed... Um, I think partly because of the fact that they've they have picked up a couple of pilots, but there's not that much stuff out there that they can actually see and go, okay, we'll take a chance on that uh, right now because they haven't managed to film anything. So in in a weird way, it's ended up working in the opposite direction of even if you have got low rated shows, people are sticking they're sticking with them because they know what they are, whereas they're a bit unsure about the pilots right now. Mm. Yeah, but then that leads you into that uh, quandary of: Are you just going to throw away money, or are you going to cancel it? You know, well, yeah, which is the worst option? Yeah, it could be a case of they've renewed all these shows, but like you say, if something like Batwoman is doing that badly, it may be that they chop the series order and they use it as filler to get through uh, the full season. And then it gets dumped next season for and the, you know so they can take it through to mid season and and launch something else in January February. Um, it, I mean that that may be what they end up doing with some of these shows is they they end up giving them half seasons whereas normally they'd have a twenty two episode run or something. Yeah, I think as well as better the devil you know, I think it's also probably going to be a cost concern because yeah. for all those series, you've got the costumes, you've got the people yeah. on board, you've you've got the sets, and you've got all of the things already set up. So it's it's just simply less expensive to make a mediocre series of something you've already got and get a little bit of your return on your investment rather than taking the higher risk of making a complete show from scratch when you Absolutely. don't know exactly uh. when and how you're going to be able to film it. So I think it's just a safer business choice. Yeah, I think that's probably very true. Yep. Um, great. Did you have any other topics you wanted to bring? No, no that, I think that's the one I really wanted to, and I'm glad of all the conversations it's gone into, it's hit an hour reverse thing that was in the back of my head, but I've sort of said that. Um, <laughs> no, th- thank you for letting me have the first topic, but uh, you really <laughs> went off in a good direction. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, David, what would you like to talk about? Well, I mean, I sort of carrying on from that, really, uh, one of the things that I had on my list was there was... Um, now is the time that we would be doing all those upfronts. Um, there were there were 55 pilots that were ordered for this season, um, and most of those. There's a few of them that have been rejected, but already. But uh, only one had been filmed, 
which was a Chuck Lorre comedy called Be Positive, starring uh, Thomas Middlich from uh, Silicon Valley, played the lead guy in Silicon Valley. Um, that was the only one nice. that had actually been filmed uh, out of all the pilots this season. Uh, and that that's actually got picked up by CBS. Um, so uh, CBS announced all their renewals. Uh, they basically renewed pretty much everything, as I was saying before. They have put some cancellations in. They cancelled Man With A Plan, uh, a sitcom called Broke, a comedy called uh, Carol's Second Act, and the Eddie Falco drama Tommy, um, none of which have actually aired over here. And uh, God Friended Me, they'd already cancelled as well. But uh, there was a bunch of shows which were sort of bubbled shows as as i was saying like uh i think seal team and swat were were both kind of 50 50 uh both those got renewed um it's so it's been as well as kind of all the ncis and macgyver and magnum and the fbi series and uh all that sort of stuff so yeah it's it's kind of interesting to see what they've uh gone back and picked up um they have picked up three pilots they're the first people really to kind of make and pilot announcements since the virus thing happened uh so as i say be positive has been picked up that's uh it stars middleich as a a therapist and newly divorced dad who's faced with finding a kidney donor when he runs into a rough around the edges woman from his, his past who volunteers her kidney so it's a sort of buddy comedy thing um so there's that one uh, and they've actually seen a pilot for that. The two others they've picked up based off the script. Uh, one is a remake of The Equalizer, which will mean nothing to Matt uh, or or, uh, or any of the younger people on there. Uh, so uh, the Equalizer was a was a classic series from the sort of what late eighties, probably. I yeah, about that. Um, so the remake has got Queen Latifah taking over the role. Um, they did make a film version as well, which was what Denzel Washington did a film version, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think he did too, actually. Yes, yeah, I think he did, actually. But the TV version is going to be Queen Latifah in the role, and it's about a, a person with a mysterious background who uses their extensive set of skills to help those who have nowhere else to turn. I quite like the original series. I don't know whether anybody else watched that, but... No. Um, yeah, I... I mean, I remember it. I saw it, but it's been forever since I've seen it. Mm. So that's yeah. not not even the weirdest thing. I mean, uh, after Supernatural wraps up and whenever they finish, uh, whenever they can get back to filming again, uh, uh, Jerry Padalecki is moving over to the reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. Yes. Yeah. Um, which isn't, I, it's a show I kind of know from seeing bits of it but i don't think i ever watched the whole thing but i think it was probably a much bigger show in america than it was over here but uh yeah. uh you, you know there's a uh, chuck norris was a texas ranger which is a kind of an independent police force in texas and yeah. it was just kind of one of those feel-good shows yeah. you know was, there's was crime and they solved crime and they gave him excuse to you know do his martial arts stuff but it wasn't really like serious serious stuff it was more just kind of goody feely kind of stuff yeah, so it's going to be interesting seeing him doing that because, yeah, that was one of the CW's pickups. Uh, the other one being the other one being Superman and Lois, uh, which is the, the other Arrowverse spin-off, which they picked up as well. Um, so that's, that's what the CW's pick up. Uh, CBS also picked up Clarice, which is from Alex Kurdsman um, and Jenny Lummett. 
and uh, stars Rebecca Breeds, who was in Pretty Little Lies and the originals as Clarice. And it's it's a sort of sequel set in 1993, six months after the events of Silence of the Lambs. Um, and and I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that's a good idea, but, you know, they, they, they've, uh, they've picked that up. Uh, I, I rather suspect that's going to turn into, you know, what they did with Elementary and Sherlock. I kind of think it's probably going to be a procedurally type thing, I would have thought that. Um, I don't know whether anybody's a huge Silence of the Lambs fan that desperately wanted that to come to air. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it's really going to be that related to Silence of the Lambs. It's more. It feels more like it's just trading off the name to make something possibly generic, but I'm very much speculating there. Yeah, I mean, the one saving grace of that is the fact that it has got... I mean, it might make it a bit more interesting, the fact that Alex Kurzman's involved as exec producer, but he's the guy behind all the Star Trek reboot stuff. Um, So it might be interesting, not necessarily good, but it might be interesting, at least. Uh, So... Yeah, uh, that that was the um, that's the CBS stuff. Um, I, I do like the idea of that. Is it Tom Middleditch? You said the CBS comedy. Yeah, I, I quite like him, and uh, yeah, I think that should be that should be fairly good. So yeah, that's called B positive. That one is, cool. um, and uh, yeah, ABC ABC have picked up uh, a series called Big Sky, for which is from David E. Kelly, who's a huge producer that again they've not really cancelled anything the only thing they've cancelled so far is fresh off the boat um and they renewed good doctor Grey's anatomy and station 19 which is kind of fairly predictable uh nbc renewed brooklyn 99 all the chicago's law and order svu um they did they have been handing out really huge series renewals though because i mean they gave three season renewals to new amsterdam and to this is us they renewed Superstore as well. Um, cool. So, yeah. That, they, that's they, uh, season six of Superstore, isn't it? Or is that season... I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. waiting, for um, ITV, waiting for ITV to bring that back. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 but they, they got hit with the virus stuff for the final episode, which, of course, is the it's yeah. America Ferrera's last episode. Mm. And they've got the added problem of she's very happy to come back and shoot that final episode slight issue in timing wise with that is she's potentially going to be quite heavily pregnant by the time <laughs> they need to shoot that episode yeah. <laughs> you'll just have ha- to stand behind a large row of like boxes yes <laughs> so the entire thing just stood behind boxes possibly that that could be quite entertaining yeah uh, just do it as a running gag like a lot of their fan base is gonna know what's yeah, happened there of course it's a comedy you can get away with it um They've they've ordered uh, the Keenan Show um, and young the uh, comedy from Tina Fey, which hasn't got a name yet, and and the Young Rock, which is exact produced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and is based <laughs> on his life apparently. Um, so and they I'm can't... intrigued by that one just because the Rock just seems so lovely, and whenever he's on any chat shows or stuff like that, he's just he's just so engaging, and that it's not the sort of thing I would normally watch. But yeah. because it's The Rock, I may well watch that. Yeah, so I, I honestly don't know. But uh, yeah, apparently he's he's cast in it as well. So I don't know whether he's playing his dad or something, maybe. I don't know. Um, well, if you want to see something from like way back in the day versus how they look now, 
Uh, look up old episodes of Baywatch Hawaii, which is a weird oh, Baywatch wow. spinoff. Yeah. And it has uh, Jason Momoa in it. He's not yes. nearly as jacked. He's got no tattoos or ink or anything. And it almost doesn't look like him. I, I'd completely forgotten he was in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I tried to forget that series existed. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's like, like they, yeah, they, they tried and tried with those Baywatch spin-offs. There was what Baywatch Nights was the other one where he, where yeah. <laughs> stops becoming a lifeguard and starts becoming a private investigator. I think. I remember yeah. that. That's I remember horrible. that. <laughs> oh, that <was> so horrible. <laughs> yeah. Just horrendous. Wow. Um, yeah, so, they tried with those, but not very hard. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, they they really, I mean, yes, scraping the bottom of the barrel for all those. Uh, the the other one, uh, Fox renewed nine one one nine one one Lone Star, bless bless the hearts, Duncanville, uh, Simpsons, of course, and Family Guy. Um, they cancelled that Beverly Hills nine zero two one zero, like docu, well, sort of docu soap thing um, that. <laughs> Didn't seem to work very well. They cancelled that and Deputy, which is Stephen Dorff drama, with the two things they cancelled. They have picked up one thing, which is called Housebroken, which uh, explores human dysfunction and neurosis through a group of neighbourhood animals who live in the suburbs. It's an animated series, <laughs> which I I don't know. Sounds quite like it could be quite entertaining. Um, so... Sky, Sky broadcast something similar called actually Animals. Something that sounds quite similar to something that already is out there, I think, by HBO. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes, I don't know. But, uh, hmm. yeah, that's called Housebroken, apparently. Oh. Um, so that's the one thing they picked up. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's not, there's at the moment, that many pickups. But I think some, it, it's probably going to be a case that, um, because of the virus stuff, you are going to get, you know, they've renewed everything. Um, pretty much, or they've renewed quite a lot of things, and I, I rather suspect you might get some of these coming back with shorter orders, and then, if they're still not doing well by mid-season, you're going to get them dumped at mid-season, and as long as they can get filming back, and you'll get later pickups throughout the summer on pilots, um, once they can start filming some bits and pieces again. Mm. But um, Again, it all comes back to when they can start up again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that everything you want to talk about? Yep, yep, yep. Cool. I'm Christy. And I'm Jackie. And we are Killer Fun. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. For as long as people have been communicating, they have been talking about who did what to whom, and is that socially acceptable? Because the boundaries of society, crime, and entertainment have always gone hand in hand. The more salacious, the weird, the better. From books and movies, to television shows and games, we look at how life and art imitate and inform one another. And we can't get together and not laugh. So let's face it, there's going to be laughing. <laughs> Killer Fun is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So join us. Today's sponsor is Kualu. If you'd like to get started with a domain name and a website today, just click on the link in the show notes and that will take you over to Kualu to get started. They also have a live support chat system that you can use, which is in the bottom right hand corner. So get started with a new website and domain name today with Kualu. Hey everybody, if you would like to get the ad-free versions of all of our podcasts and support entertainment talk along the way, all you need to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash entertainment talk, sign up either as a creator or as a Patreon, there's no difference there. 
that's just the option for either becoming a creator now or just staying as a patron for the moment and then all you need to do is support us at the one dollar level tier that will get you access to all of the ad free podcasts that we've done in in the past and get you access to all the ad free podcasts in that month as well so it's a great way to support us on entertainment talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad free podcasts you can also become a patron at the three dollar level tier that gets you access to ad free podcasts and allows you to redeem a review of a tv show or a film of entirely your choice that's one per month for either a tv show or a film review which is at the three dollar level tier as always thank you very much for listening back to the show i'm going to move on to my topics next uh so of course i like to talk about the streaming services and i'm going to do that again here today uh general sort of question for everybody i'm going to answer the question myself first uh who is winning the streaming the paid uh sorry streaming wars because of course you know the free ones are you know free and you can access them and then obviously you've got the uh paid ones who maybe need to do a little bit more sometimes to in order to get uh people to well sign up with money and that sort of thing uh in terms of winning so obviously the uk ones because you know uh hbo and hulu and other stuff cbs all access isn't over here uh i would say at the moment it feels like either someone like amazon or netflix is probably winning those uh winning the streaming paid streaming service wars over here um i i i don't know you've got other places like uh i'll talk about Britbox in in a similar um topic but uh, i don't think they're probably doing very well i don't think someone like quibi is maybe doing uh, very well you've got things like Disney Plus a lot of people seem to be signed up um, to that I'm in a mm. Disney Plus uh, group and that seems to be fairly active with, with lots of people in it and stuff um, and it, it, that even has like you know you can go back and rewatch the Star Wars films or the Marvel films or the decades worth of Disney films so they, they've always had quite a lot to offer they might be struggling a little bit in terms of uh, releasing brand new Disney Plus stuff because well you can't release the Mandalorian season one forever uh, so you will eventually run out of those episodes. Uh, they're doing the gallery thing now, aren't they? I think they're two yeah. or three episodes into that. But uh, yeah, that's always been one of the bigger advantages with um, Disney Plus and them releasing that is you've just got decades worth of content that uh, some people might not have seen all of it. So I think they're doing pretty well. But I think and sort of feel like that uh, Netflix is probably winning the UK streaming service wars. And in terms of, um, I guess, the other side of that topic, um, in terms of which ones we're all sort of using the most, I'd probably say Netflix as well. There's been some stuff that I've watched on there recently mm. in that. Um, David, any thoughts on uh, who who you think might be winning the UK paid streaming service wars? So not uh, not yeah, places I like would... All Thor and all, all stuff like that. So. Yeah, I, I would probably say, certainly in the UK, I would say Netflix. Mm. Um, Net, Netflix and um, Amazon are probably the two that I use more than anything else. And I tend to bounce backwards and forwards between those two. I do have uh, Disney Plus mainly for the Mandalorian and like things like the world according to Jeff Goldblum and, and stuff like that. But there isn't that much new stuff on there that I will watch. Um in terms of other stuff, uh, I, I mean, uh, I have Apple TV Plus, but the biggest problem that that has is the fact that it's only got the original shows on it, um, and the original shows are fantastic. I mean, they're really, really good set of shows they've got, but it's it's a bit difficult to justify five ninety nine a month for something that you're only really going to watch when those shows come out. Um, so. It, it just doesn't have that back catalogue. Mm. Um, whereas 
whereas Disney does. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, Amazon, I tend to watch because they've got quite a good set of original shows. I don't tend to go back and re-watch things that much. Um, but, yeah, Amazon and Netflix, definitely. And uh, just, just to slightly correct you, the uh, uh, CBS All Access hasn't launched here yet uh but they it sounds like there may be it may be coming internationally um maybe hmm. not Which not I, I don't get because 90 percent of what's on cbs access over here in the states is already on netflix over there yeah like all the picard stuff all the old shows all that's already you can already access so i don't know what they're going to offer for that yeah um and unless they're going to start um canceling a lot of the deals that they've already got um and, and pulling everything back which i mean is possible but i mean you look at those those cbs shows uh you know blue bloods fbi macgyver magnum uh, the NCIS's SEAL Team SWAT. I mean, it's half of Sky's content uh, over here because all those shows are on Sky. Um, so it, it could be a case of of they're going to start disappearing. It depends what the deals are. Um, mm. Just don't know at the moment, and and it depends. I mean, I I rather suspect that the the international version of the service will be slightly different to the one that's working dam- you know, domestically, but they did say that they are looking at launching an international version. And whilst they didn't say where you've got to assume that the UK is one of the places that they're looking at for that. Um, but we don't know at the moment. And as to what's on it, like, you know, as you said, the, all the Star Trek stuff is sold onto Netflix and Amazon. So, unless they're going to pull those deals. Uh, yeah. I don't know. At the moment. Well, that just all falls under what the contracts are. Cause when you think about it, the, um, the Netflix versions of, uh, you know, uh, daredevil and all those characters are still on Netflix, even though, uh, Disney bought up all the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like in terms of just like originals and stuff, because I know you've got slight, you've got slightly different scenarios where um, Disney Plus wouldn't really pick up, like I don't know, Mr. Robot or something. But then you've got places like, um, was it Netflix and Amazon and other places like that where they would pick up, like you know, you've got Better Call Saul on Netflix and you've got uh, well, Mr. Robots obviously on Amazon and things. Uh, but I tend to find that the majority of original content I watch is usually on Netflix. Uh, may- maybe that's just because what I click on when i tend to go to watch stuff i don't know but uh yeah i've been watching a, a fair few things on on there lately so i think that's probably who's who's winning that at the moment in the uk um bex what do you think yeah. in terms of that yeah i mean i mean i think we have the phrase netflix and chill and if that doesn't <laughs> tell you which one is becoming a household name um i don't know what will i think there is some interesting things that amazon are trying to do at the moment they've started doing watch parties in beta on um twitch at the moment so because there is a link, obviously, between Twitch and Amazon, they have the, uh, mm. the Twitch Prime subs and stuff like that. They're also now putting together these watch party things, which are just in beta for some people to use at the moment, where you can watch things on Amazon Prime with all of your audience members who are also on Amazon Prime. So you can like watch together as a, as a watch party. Cool. And so I think 
things like like that are quite interesting moves on on the part of of Amazon um, mm. to gain a bit more traction and to utilize the traction they have in in a way which I haven't really seen Netflix making any move towards doing. Um, I think they're the two biggest players here. Uh, Disney Plus has got some awesome stuff on it, but they very much got a lot of initial pickup and hype because people wanted to watch things, as you say, like The Mandalorian. And they have an amazing back catalogue as well, but there seems to be a drive for new shows a lot, which is something which is uh, obviously now uh, a difficulty. But I think because people are mostly signing up to services because of something that happens to be new at the time, that I don't know how long they will maintain that edge because they can't produce shows as quickly because they're just one place making shows, whereas Netflix and Amazon can buy up shows from wherever in order to keep that freshness going with their service. But I think, yeah, Netflix is the one that I use the most. Um, I could imagine me getting uh, um, an account for um, for Disney Plus to watch select series. Um mm. Loki series primarily. Um, <laughs> I, I, I own, why. <laughs> yeah, I own a lot of the Disney and Marvel stuff on DVD already, so I don't really need like my favorite things of the back catalog. I already own. Um, mm. So yeah, I think Netflix is very much a clear winner, and I think once something becomes a, a household name to the point where you're calling, you know, you're calling things or activities after a brand, you know, like in in the states that you say like. You know, it's, it's Kleenex instead of tissues and there's Hoover instead of vacuum cleaner over here. Once your brand gets to that level, I think you've, you've kind of won. You know, people say Google yeah. it, not Bing it, you know? Yeah. There's actually yeah. a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream that they're selling now that's branded as Netflix and chill. Yeah. Market dominance, I don't know what does. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Robert, I, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I personally don't use Netflix a whole lot. Um, but that's just because some of the new stuff doesn't really hold my interest. Um, I did binge through Upload on uh, Amazon Prime. Odd show, um, just a quick five-second review. It's not bad, but it tries to do too many things over the course of too long of a time. Mm. It needed to be like two episodes less and then one plot point less, and I think it would have been a lot better. But it does have uh, Robbie Amell, and he gets to you know explore a range that you probably haven't seen him in, just because of you know he's, he was barely in Flash for a little bit, and they killed him yeah. off. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think in terms of? Because obviously you've got some different ones over there, Robert. You've got things like Hulu, CBS All Access, HBO. Uh, what do you think in terms of that? Because uh, we don't have some of them over here. Yeah, it, it's really kind of weird over here in the States because it depends on who's partnered with who and right. what contract is with what. Like, nothing CBS is on Hulu or on any other streaming service. It's only on CBS Access. Most uh, individual channels have their own app, but most don't require a subscription unless you don't have like, a cable subscription. So let's say, you, you know, over here in the States, if you have DirecTV... Any app that lets you log in with your DirecTV login will let you access any of that content. And that's pretty much anything. That's uh, ABC, NBC, History Channel, Food Network, Discovery Channel, anything. And that's how I keep up with most of the content is through those apps. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's so fragmented. There's there's not a whole lot of uh, uh, condensing. And the only 
reason why a lot of it's on Hulu is because some of the early contracts, most of the uh, broadcast companies didn't want to put the time and money into their own app. So, so when Hulu was starting up, they were just like, yeah, it's a little licensing fee and then you can show it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once people realized how popular streaming was, they started making their own stuff so they could do like original content and things like that. But, you know, they still had the contracts and, and they, they're, I'm sure they're making revenue off of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Gray, what do you think? Well, I'm going to take it from the sense of like functionality and how the user experiences it. I think Netflix is winning by miles and actually it's calling out some of these other streaming um, platforms about how bad their usability is. So in a profit way, yes, Netflix by far. But in this time, like trying to use platforms like all four ITV hub um, and the sort of like the Brit box, it's, it's really clunky and it hasn't got it right. And therefore Netflix wins in a household where you've got to put a program on in front of young children or you just want something to, to continue or you want to find something really quickly. I think Netflix is miles ahead of all the others. And as Bex is becoming such a well-known brand, um, it's sort of iconic with the streaming sort of society that we're in. Um, but it's showing the others up a lot and, and they're really struggling to turn around their sort of um, interfaces to make sure it can match up to what it needs to need to be, really. Yeah, mm. my five-year-old nephew can completely and utterly traverse the, the, the children area of Netflix and has all his shows and knows how to order them and knows how to do things. And he's been able to do that since, you know, since he was very small. It, it's it's com- it's completely intuitive to him. He knows exactly what he's doing. He corrects me, you know, <laughs> um, and he knows where his shows are, how to get to the next ones, um, recognizes them all from the thumbnails. You know, it's it just works. If if like a four or five year old can use it, then you have something right mm. with your with your interface. Um, I would like some more search options for Netflix. I sometimes get a little bit frustrated with them on that front. Um, I find that their interface doesn't really like telling me when they don't have something. It likes telling me all the things they have that may be a little bit similar to it. And I can't find the answer I'm looking for, which is no, we don't have that. Um, I think that's one of the few things that slightly frustrates me with it. But um, yeah, other than that, just from a basic, you know, point and, and click type approach, it's definitely better than a lot of the yeah things like all four and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of um, functionality, there's one thing with Disney Plus I don't understand why it is the way it is. Basically, if you go onto the continue watching thing for well anything, uh, not necessarily maybe a film, but if it's a if it's a TV show, let's say, so I don't know, Simpsons, Mandalorian, or something. Usually, with most streaming services, if you press back, it will say here's the rest of the seasons in the episodes. If you mm-hmm. click on a continue watching thing, let's just say Mandalorian, for example, and you're on episode, I don't know, three or something, and you want to see oh, how, how many episodes are out, how long are they maybe, so you can judge how long you've got left to watch certain things or whatever, it doesn't take you back to that list. It takes you back to the homepage, and I don't understand why Disney Plus does that, and I think they're the only ones that um, that do it. I mean, with um, Now TV, you can actually browse, at least for that current season that you're on, how many episodes are left in that season, and you get a little window in the top right corner with the episodes still... Um, playing so i'm not really sure why uh disney plus doesn't let you do that but it's a bit of a minor gripe i suppose does anybody else kind of notice that uh not particularly with disney plus but to be honest i haven't used it that much okay. so um i know the amazon interface is is a, a bit of a catastrophe as well uh that that i mean <clears throat> you 
you can actually i think now flip between the seasons but they the seasons aren't like clustered all together the same way they are in netflix um it it's you you sort of they're all listed separately it's weird the way they set that up yeah um and it's it sort of it's just a bit counterintuitive the way that all works so um yeah i mean I'd, i'm not a huge fan of that amazon interface that could do with a serious redesign yeah yeah mm. um cause, yeah you're right though if you click on let's say mr robot season four and you you click on that you can sort of browse down and go to the previous seasons but it should just be listed as well, Mr. Robot, and then you click on there, and it has from yeah. the pilot. So uh, that's always been a weird thing with with Amazon, how they've separated their seasons. So, yeah. Um, who else did? Uh, I think I asked Robert. Didn't didn't I ask you? Yeah, I think I asked everybody. Yeah. About this. So, uh, let's move on to my next one. Um, into some video game stuff. Of course, we got the PS5 and the Xbox Series X apparently coming out at the end of, end of this year, but we shall wait and see. Uh, me me and Robert, of course, I think two weeks ago talked about a Bloomberg article uh, as to where I think it was, wasn't it Sony who specifically said that the uh, PS5 should be on track for the holiday but we'll have to wait and see given how everything's going yeah how... they said they were going to have a launch but they were projecting very low sales or something like yeah, five yeah. to six million so I barely mm-hmm. even bothering yeah like a limited right. kind of stock um, in terms of I guess pounds for us and dollars for rubber I suppose uh, how much is everybody expecting these to be because I think when you look at uh, I mean, if you go back to like the PS3 era, right, and they did the $600 thing and they came out with the whole joke of like, oh, if you're going to want to buy our console, you're going to need two jobs. Not the best way to start the <laughs> generation. Uh, not a great thing to say to your customers. Um, so, yeah, $600, obviously way too much. Um, I think at most, both of these consoles um, can't be any higher, I think, than f- than $500, I think. And I think, I think you're going to be aiming somewhere between... Maybe four to five hundred dollars. Uh, it depends as well if you've got. Um, says obviously talk about the is it Lockhart edition of the Xbox uh, Series X might be a little bit of a cheaper one. So maybe that will be four hundred and the Series X will be five hundred. Uh, PS Five I think is just going to have one one skew, so that might just be five hundred dollars. Um, Robert, I know we've already talked about this a bit recently on the gaming podcast, but uh, how much would you expect those consoles to be? I'm leaning heavily towards the this. Series X being five and the PS five being six hundred. It's just from their production they, line, from all that. I just they might sell it at five fifty, but I don't see it going any lower than five fifty. I don't. You can't do six hundred. You can't have that joke come back again. Like because that's that's now kind of a joke among PlayStation is the whole six hundred dollar thing. Uh, maybe five fifty you could do, but I, I don't think you can. <laughs> you, I don't think you go any higher than that. So. Uh, we'll have to just wait and see, of course. Um, Bex, what about you? How much do you think these should be, I suppose? I don't think your prices are, are hugely out there. I'm I'm wondering, um, oh, you know, after everything that's kind of going on at the moment and the fact that gaming's going to have, because uh, it's already been having like a pretty big uptake and there's going to be quite a few new people possibly getting involved in buying consoles and things, if they would ever end up having a slight price war because they're going to want to capitalize on all the people who have taken up gaming or gotten back into gaming because of lockdown and stuff like that. So I wonder if it's going to be a case where a lot of those people who are new to gaming or got back into it that used to play it when they were a lot younger may aim slightly for the cheapest one. So I wonder if that's going to create any kind of competitive market there like we used to have kind of back in the day or 
um, if that's going to make it or it will make no difference whatsoever, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, David, how about you? I see. I I would go a little bit lower than Robert. I I think you're going to be doing them at like four fifty. Uh, and I reckon they'll both be around the same sort of price. And and I mean, obviously, there's going to be deals on that where they come with like, you know, whatever games and stuff. But um, I, I think the, the basic sort of console with a game would probably be around four four fifty on on both cases, because the other thing is, I, you know, if they, they are going up on competition against each other, it's quite possible that you you could even go down the route of selling the consoles at a slight loss and make the money back out of the games um yeah you well, this know. is the model that things like cinemas work on yeah you know they mm-hmm. they would make a loss to get in the biggest films and then they'd make all their money on popcorn was the way a lot of those things you know mm. still work <laughs> So I I think you're more likely to to see them at around 450 because I mean if you think the PS4 when that first came out was uh was 399 uh when that first arrived. So I I would say yeah, 450 probably. Hmm. Um yeah. I think between maybe four hundred is too cheap, but between four fifty five hundred, and like like you said, something else to consider as well. Like if it's I don't know Horizon Zero Dawn two or whatever's coming out with the PS five, then you maybe charge upwards a little bit. Maybe it comes with six months or a year of PS plus, or you know, there's probably I'm guessing there's probably going to be some sort of Game Pass uh, bundle with the Series X because they've been pushing that a lot. So uh, and that will probably put the price up a bit. Plus you've got things like you know an extra charging cable or a second controller or something like that so that will uh, possibly put it up a bit i think that that's if you go for like a really big let's say you go for like two games two controllers and a ps5 then maybe you can go something like six hundred dollars but you'd have to you'd have to just offer more i suppose um so we shall see uh gray what do you think about this uh, well, I am not a gamer. If you listen to me with Dave, it's one of the least thing I, I stretch to Mario on uh, the Wii. That's about it. Um, I I would guess 400 to 500. I think you've got to remember you've got a lot of young adults now hitting the, their target market. Uh, their original market used to be quite older teenagers. Um, but you've got uh, a lot of, um, yeah, the middle age ranges. They would go for 400, 450, 500 possibly. Um, that's That's my guess, but... Please don't trust me. I'm the least gaming person ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to the price war, I mean, that could always be a thing, but that's not anything that I don't think Sony could win. Because up until this point, I mean, even before, you know, the pandemic and everything, we still we still don't have any idea what it looks like. And there's rumors that they might not be able to make a whole lot of them. So, yeah. whereas with the Series X, we've already seen the hardware breakdown. We've already seen... You know, the tech, we've seen it in action and how it plays games on a yeah. different level. And we haven't seen anything out of Sony for that. And now uh, we're getting a monthly uh, inside Xbox um, from Microsoft. We just had one the other day, and the next one's going to be in June, and they've already announced July is going to be focused on Halo Infinite. You know, you're gonna, you've got this whole media build-up lead-up with Microsoft, and, and you're just hearing crickets out of Sony. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess we'll find out. We'll we'll find out eventually. So in the coming months. 
how much these things will cost. Uh, going back to the first topic, but f flipping it around the other way, uh, who is losing the paid streaming service wars in the UK? Um, I've already kind of got my answer. I kind of sort of talked about it a bit earlier. I, I can't see many people signing up to things like Quibi and BritBox. In fact, when I see, um, you know, like promoted tweets or promoted Facebook pages from BritBox, everyone's kind of just complaining and saying they don't have it. So I've not seen a lot of people that actually have said that they do have it. And even the people that I have seen that said that, they said like, oh, they haven't really updated it much or the stuff on there is really old and they've just cancelled it in favour of uh, other services. Uh, Quibi, of course, has the problem that, like David has said before, that you're forced to watch it in your on your phone. There's no way you can watch it on a laptop, tablet, or TV. You or... can you can actually watch it on a tablet, Ta I've yeah. discovered. Yeah. But, but yes, you can't watch it on a phone. Yeah, I, 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 the weird thing about Quibi was, I know, let's do a global launch for this, which is a service that is designed for commuters and we'll launch it in the middle of a global pandemic where nobody's commuting to work. Um, mm. Seems like a very odd idea. but uh, And the fact that they've actively blocked you from being able to like throw it to a TV screen. Because I would use that service a lot more if I could sit with the tablet or the phone and and just use the you know uh, screen sharing thing and screen share it to my tv um i would i would watch more things on that and i would use it a lot more uh because there so are if you try and chromecast it off a yeah, something it, it, will, it, it physically stops you. It actively blocks you. You wow. can't even share the screen, you know, because the other option is you can you can like just share the entire screen. If you try and do that, it blocks up the video. So you can't even. So they've just... gone to quite a lot of effort then. <laughs> yeah, to actively stop you from being able to do it, and I strongly object to them doing that. It's also very expensive. Um, it's like seven ninety nine that in the UK for that service, and it's a shame because there are there is some interesting good content on there, and it's an interesting idea in terms of the format. But it needs to be four ninety nine, and they need to enable the screen sharing on it. Because uh, I mean, I don't care if it gets thrown to a screen and the quality's not like you know ultra high def, which is what their argument was of like, oh well, we didn't want to be dealing with like upresing it to you know fine. Okay, I get that, but don't actively block me from being from watching it the way I want to watch it. Um, yeah, that's, that's just like saying like we would rather take this shotgun and shoot ourselves in the foot than let you have the option to do what you want <laughs> with a service you paid money for. Yeah, um, which just doesn't like it just doesn't make any sense. It, it's up there with the things like you know Instagram refuses to let you upload things from your computer level of. Ridiculous! Yes. Instagram have managed to get away with that because they call us such a vast amount of the market, and we have so many things that let you edit and film and do stuff on phones now that they've just, you know, or people just emulate stuff in order to do it on the desktop now. Yeah. Um, but unless you have an insane market share like they do, and and are that much of a well-known brand, you can't do stuff like that. No, no. one's that their main problems that no one's ever heard of them and nobody cares. You you can't then make that kind of decision to stop people from from doing the only thing they probably want to do with it right now yeah and that's not even the only service that's done that there's a very short-lived uh streaming service called go 90 and <laughs> the whole thing was to turn your phone 90 degrees um so yeah and they had random stuff on there too but the quibi that i i'm generally curious at how much money they've spent to get up to this point 
because Matt and I talked about this on another podcast. They've got some huge names and some huge yeah. stuff. They got Idris Elba doing stuff. They brought back Jack Bauer for a little bit. Um, mm. and I know Matt was like doing backflips over that. Um, <laughs> yeah, until I found but, that uh, on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I am genuinely curious. I would love to be able to find out how much money they spent getting to where they're at right now. Mm. But then it's Jeffrey Kat- it's it's Jeffrey Katzenberg, isn't it? That's the 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 uh, co CEO or co owner of DreamWorks is one of the people behind it. So it's not like he's short of money uh, in terms of the investment and stuff. And I think that's the reason why they've got all those big names. But I yeah. It's it's a weird setup, and as I say, I would use it a lot more because some of the stuff that's on there is nicely put together. And yes, it's only movie length in terms of the seasons, because or in terms of the episodes, because everything's like ten minute episodes. So it's basically like watching a movie that's chopped into ten fifteen parts. Um, but I. You know, and that's fine. I mean, if that's what you're going to do, it's interesting original content. I just don't want to have to sit and watch it on my phone. Yeah. You know, I don't want to watch it that way. I don't commute. So it's of no use to me, that service, in, in that particular way. But you've got some good content on there. I just don't want to have to be sat at home watching it. And then Speaking of watching it. on your phone, I was at the store yesterday and I saw something that made me cry a little bit inside. It was a plastic strap that you can put on your neck so that you can have your phone in front of your face and not have to hold your hands to watch it. I'm like, really? Can we get into oh, that part? Oh, my God. That's, yeah, that's I'll send it to Matt. It, it, it made me cry. Yes, that's that's terrible. And the other service you mentioned there, of course, was BritBox, which they've launched in the UK, which I do not understand in the slightest. Me neither. Because most of the box set stuff that's on BritBox is box sets that were from BBC and ITV. And yes, there is some older historical stuff, like all the original back episodes of Doctor Who are on there and stuff, and that's been one of their big selling things. And I get that if you're in America, it may, you, know, you have the thing, a service which is, hey, look at all this British TV content. Fine, that makes perfect sense. But in the UK, that makes zero sense. <laughs> Because most of that stuff, a lot of those box sets, in fact, the BBC are, are doing more deals to keep box sets on the iPlayer longer. So what is the point of having something like BritBox that you've got to pay for? I mean, the only original thing that they've announced that's going on there so far is the new Spitting Image series, which I am interested in watching, but I, I'm not sure I want to pay like five ninety nine a month just for one series. Yeah. So mm. it's like they're I, trying to fill a, a a need that isn't really there yeah. with this series, with this um, with this service. It, it, I think it would have been more sensible to have uh, to have just put, made some kind of deal to put this content on one of the existing ones we have as a as a season of things. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah the only or... thing that um, the only thing that most of the streaming services don't do that Disney is doing, which I like, is like with some of the box sets that you physically buy there's a lot of the extra stuff that doesn't go on the streaming services. Like you can watch seasons of, you know, this show or that show, but on anything but Disney won't have like the blooper reels and the behind the scenes mm. stuff and things like that. And to their credit, Disney plus does have all that stuff 
for the for the movies at least so far. I mean, obviously with animated shows, you don't really have a blooper reel per se, but you could always like have the videos of the voice actors, you know, flubbing a line now and then or doing something. Um, but that's really the only advantage to the physical box sets. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one the, the one thing I don't really get about Britbox is because um, a lot of the shows I see actually like advertised on like social media and stuff is most of the stuff that's free on all four. So things like I don't know Peep Show, Friday Night Dinner, In Betweeners, and I'm like, well, you don't need to pay for Britbox to see that. You can just sign up for free on yeah. uh, on all four. Um, so I I, 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 I don't understand that. One of their original marketing points was to try and get this uh, no adverts, but then. ITV Hub and all four are now offering a paid premium yeah. service to remove adverts. So there is a little bit of this confusing business sense there. BritBots are going for this whole process where you get it completely advert free as many seasons as you want. But then ITV Hub and all four, what are you doing? Why? That's that. That's mixing the message, isn't it? You're pushing yeah. content one way and then offering a premium service where you can cut out adverts. Then you're undercutting. BritBox, you know, three ninety nine ITV Hub is um, just to cut out adverts when all their content's on BritBox. Yeah, yeah, I don't it's really, I, I just don't really understand the the idea, don't the idea it. of all that. So, yeah, um, who who hasn't is everybody said something about this? I think. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, let's move to uh, Bex next. What do you want to talk about? Uh, well, one of the things I've been thinking about, sort of more and more in general recently, is um, the way we've been capitalizing so much on nostalgia at the moment and how there's been this massive market for nostalgia and how we have so many sort of remakes and things happening, especially in the computer game industry. Um, the film industry also seems to be doing a lot of a lot of remakes and uh, recycling of material. And we've had some things which also um, sort of, you know, make uh, spiritual sequels to other things. So we've got things like Streets of Rage 4 just came out and that's been doing incredibly well. And you look back at other games like Sonic Mania, that did incredibly well. We have the Resident Evil remakes, we have the Final Fantasy VII remakes. We have so many titles in TV and movies which are um, recycled licenses, upgraded or, or changed in some way. And I'm kind of been wondering more and more recently after lockdown and after everything gets back to some semblance of normal will companies even more so lean into this nostalgia angle partly because people want things that are familiar and feel good but they still have this appetite for new content uh, and also because there is a much lower cost associated with just picking up an existing license and putting something together from that um and i wondered what anyone else thought on that um i think things like remastering video games uh is a really really great idea i think for like sort of the next generations or the current sort of new generation of people or whatever um for like you know younger people that didn't get to experience those things back when they came out i think it's a really great accessible way for those sorts of people to experience that because I'll bring up like let's say Crash the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. Um, mm. w- when you've got things like you know a PS4 sitting on the on the TV as opposed to the PS1, which they were PS1 games, and I don't know, you, you have a child or you you yourself want to go back and experience those from your childhood. You're not really gonna want you. I mean, you could if you had the PS1, but aren't you gonna want like a better, more accessible version where on the console you're assumably currently using where you're playing. Uh, games currently you can just have those games on um 
the same consoles that you're using. So I've been really quite impressed with just... Because we have had quite a few of them in, in recent years. We had the Crash Trilogy, like I said. We had uh, Crash Team Racing uh, Nitro Fueled. Uh, we had the Spyro one. Like you said, Resident Evil 2 and 3. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 recently as well. And um, I, I, I'm I quite uh, happy with, with how that's sort of been going. Because I yeah. do think that just the generation that's that's been sort of growing up past all, all of that, that it, gives, it gives them a chance to just check out something that's more classic, I think. so. It's I'm, also I'm in it. some ways a cheaper way of playing it. Because yeah. with this massive surge in interest in nostalgia, like you just have to look at eBay to see how much the cost of like, you know, the little plastic spoky dokes and the little, you know, Kellogg's reflect for your bicycle from the 80s kind of go for and just just loads of things like that at the moment there's a huge appetite for nostalgia which means that playing those older games it actually could cost you a absolute ton of money to get hold of them because they're now considered collector items Mm. so as well as that as well as sort of like that these companies can look at that and as well as saying that they want to capitalize on this nostalgia and they and they want to produce more, more games to fill that need not only are they sort of lining their pockets with a whole load of money for the same license but also it's far cheaper for the consumer to play a new version of a game than it is to pick up an old one because things like the PlayStation 2 and even some play, PlayStation Three games, we're almost getting to the point where those are now collector's items and they're going up in value, not down. Mm. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think it's a really, really great idea and I'd love to just keep seeing it happen. So, um, Robert, any thoughts on remasters of games? I know it's the thing we've touched on a bit in uh, the gaming podcast. Yeah, and I, I might actually disagree with Bex about people wanting new things. I mean, think about the Final Fantasy VII remake. How long have been people banging on demanding this remake? I swear I remember it from like at least 10 years ago. And that game's almost older than uh, that. And but they want a new people... version of... They were yeah, just but... demanding to keep continue playing the one they own. Um, yeah, but they they're not asking more for content. A... <laughs> yeah, they're not asking for a new Final Fantasy game. They just want the same thing in a better format, which I do get. Yeah. But so much of uh, new air quote new content just barely gets any notice. But you know all the remasters and remake get you know all the the shiny blinky lights. Mm-hmm. Power mm-hmm. of uh, nostalgia. So, uh, David, any thoughts on? this topic um yeah i i get the the trend towards nostalgia stuff but i mean there is there's various levels of it i mean for example i wouldn't want to go back and play one of those early tomb raider games uh for example uh because the control system actually playing it now would be horrible um they're quite hilarious to play now. They've sort of come back round, to be honest, to, to being, so, you know, we thought they were really cool when they came out. But if you play oh, yeah. Tomb Raider 1 and 2 now, they're, they're, they're actually quite hysterical with the, with the physics and the, um, the, yeah. the absurdity of some of the plot lines and stuff. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the, um, the control system actually now is a, you know, playing as a modern game. It's dated, yeah. Um, it, it's very dated. So there are certain games where you look at then, but then they have done remakes of them. Remakes have been quite good. So I, you know, I there is there's there's sort of that. And to what level do you go to? Because I'm didn't they do a, a sort of remake which took elements out of the original Tomb Raider game, but it was a completely new remake of you know uh, with updated graphics and control system and stuff. But it took like elements like the dinosaur and stuff. I think. Um, 
I think they've done a version like that. I could be wrong about that, but there, there are, you know, that you've got situations like that where they are doing, you know, where, the, where I, I think that sort of side of thing is fine. And I, but there are certain games that I kind of, you know, I don't necessarily want to go back and, and play the originals, but then you've got people doing games which are in the style of those sort of retro game things as well. Uh, yeah, like, well, like, tang- like Tanglewood. Yeah, yeah, Tanglewood, and also uh, Xeno Crisis um, by Bitmap Bureau as well. That's another brand new Mega Drive game done in, in Mega Drive style, like graphics and stuff. Do you think after with with COVID and everything, and with businesses wanting to make safer decisions, that they're going to lean even more heavily, like across all media, not just games, into into remakes and things like that, which are kind of safer bets? Well, I mean, look at some of the TV shows that we talk about them getting picked up, you know. Um, I mean, out of those three CBS shows, two of them are off off the back of existing licenses, um, you know. And then with the CW one, you've got The Walker Texture of Ranger, which is off the back of an existing license. So I, I think there is a certain amount of that going around with, you know, the, they, they maybe will start to look at things that, I mean, they've always done that. They've done that for a very mm. long time. You know, they've always gone back and, and maybe look for a new twist on a on an existing license. But uh, I think they, yeah, the the it's possible that they, with with the uncertainty and stuff, they will look even more so at that sort of stuff. Yeah, because it's become quite a kind of you know I've I've had so many discussions with people about how everything that comes out of Hollywood is a remake or a sequel. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm wondering if it's going to become even more of a the case m- moving forward. And it's one of those ones that's interesting because obviously, as someone who's really into their retro and nostalgia, part of me loves that, but another part of me would love to see more risks being taken. But I don't think that's just the kind of um, environment we're in at the moment. Well, not even just a remake, a remake of a remake of a remake of a remake of a reboot. <laughs> this is yeah. true. This is, yeah, that, that, that is a very is- good point. That movie, yeah. A Star is Born, with uh, Lady Gaga in What's-His-Face, that was like the fifth or sixth time they've made that movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. was. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think films particularly have been quite bad at, at doing that. But, I mean, you do get it on TV as well. Uh, but but you are, you know, certainly a lot of the big Hollywood movies at this point tends to be reboots or, or you know, I mean, we've got another ghostbusters movie coming um like now next year what's supposed to be this year but he's now coming next year i think um so you've you've got even things like that which is sort of rebooting stuff from our childhood not even going back sort of you know that far i mean i know i know we're old but we're not that old (laughs) keep keep telling yourself that and uh, we we can all pretend collectively just just because someone who had a birthday just the other day yeah yeah yes and 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 i did as well and i did and i did i think we all have like in in quite a short space mine mine was uh, literally wednesday so well mine was mine was last Friday, so uh, and your yeah. and Bex's was this Friday, so I was the day before Dave's. <laughs> yeah. So we've all leveled up and we're all collectively <laughs> pretending we're still yeah. young. Is that what's happening? Yes. Okay, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm on the same page. I, I like agree. to say that I'm not old relative to you know the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That yeah, is the, the Earth has got a bit of a head start there. <laughs> a, a, a friend of my dad's, he's in his, 
as ADs, he likes to say. He's not old, but he remember when Dirt was in beta. <laughs> uh, oh, Ray, what do you think of uh, remasters and stuff? Well, I'm not going to obviously comment on the gaming industry. I'm not an expert, but I re- I'd really yeah. like to pick up on Bex's point about nostalgia, which I totally agree. I think just before lockdown, me and my peer group were becoming sort of overwhelmed with the amount of uh, sort of visual media that was on offer and we started reverting back to board games and it's really interesting Mm -hmm. that board games and puzzles have had a real rise during covid but it was something that we were starting to look towards and even i found myself an avid fan of tv film and music i'm i've sat reading a book that to me is nostalgic it's taking away all those streams of media that we have and i think was it on a kindle or was it actually one of those anti paper device specs it was wow. i turn the pages i have a bookmark and i found myself going to my old cd rack there's there's an element of the you know a, a generation wanting that nostalgia of simplicity where we can all remember four or three channels you know on the yeah. television well, there's been a rise in sales and production of like cassettes and selling of Walkmans. And there's a whole thing with like sort of the, the I'm going to say a phrase I may immediately regret, which is the youth of today. Um, <laughs> the, youth, the youth of today are, are buying old cassette Walkmans, which aren't even their nostalgia because they weren't born. And it's um, it, it's been quite an interesting one. And I'm, 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 I'm never quite sure what I make of it because I've been complaining about the film industry just making remakes for ages. And now they keep making remakes of games that I'm really happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a slight hypocrite because it might mean that both the industries I'm interested in are heading in the same potential uh, trajectory. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, yeah. nostalgia's big business. And, we, you know, they'll keep um getting on it as well because that's what people want simplicity to the old times yeah stranger things again watched mostly by people too young to get the references ready <laughs> player one you know it's 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 such a, a a massive trend at the moment and yeah i'm really suspicious that it may just get leaned into even more heavily um after lockdown because it's just it's just cheaper to remake something you've already got loads of material for and it's a safe bet if everyone knows the name already yeah, in the last one of the jobs that I had a couple of years ago, one of my coworkers, we would always try to out obscure reference each other to the point where it drove everybody else mad, but we were still making like movie quotes and things like that. Like going back to where you said the U's, I always say Utes to see who can get that movie reference. <laughs> Two Utes. <laughs> cool. Uh, back to what's your second topic? Uh, I think I took up quite enough time with that one. I wouldn't take up too much of the runtime, and I've also gone on a slightly nostalgic haze just thinking about all the other remake games I like. Okay. Um, should we move to uh, Robert then? Sure. Cool. What would you like to talk about? Uh, well, I finally got my PC bill, which I've kind of mentioned on the podcast before, and mm-hmm. I knew I was way behind, but I just didn't realize how long in the tooth my old machine was. Bex, you'll appreciate this. Uh, I upgraded from an Athlon 64. That's how long <laughs> it's been since wow. I've uh, rebuilt my computer. Yeah. Um, okay. And it was still doing work. I was still you know, streaming and gaming and whatnot. Just stuff was running really, really slow. And so now I got my new machine and it's just booking. Yeah, so as and far so, as you're concerned, you're now Sonic the Hedgehog and moving at the speed of light. Yes. Oh, I, I'm the Flash on meth. What are you talking about? Uh, but yeah, it's it's given me the opportunity. I'm still futzing with some software, and I've talked with Matt about this. I'm going to start uh, doing interviews with streamers, especially now that you know streaming is so popular. So I've been uh, spending a lot of time on Twitch, finding 
you know, small communities, uh, seeing who, you know, who interacts well, more importantly, who doesn't interact well. Um, that's been a few things. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start uh, sending out some invites and hopefully start doing some interviews soon. So awesome. if anybody that's listening to the podcast, uh, or anybody, you know, that's on the group call and you've got somebody that's like, you know, kind of smallest communities, I've been kind of trying to find like hundred viewers or less, but like, like consistently the same viewers, um, and they think they might be open to interviews, just, you know, drop the, drop an email off and then I'll take a look. I fall exactly into that category, Sharks. I can't <laughs> completely put you on the spot and uh, put my hat in the ring for that one. Well, you can't possibly say no because we're on air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'd love to interview you. I just, just got to get that, the that software. That was very convincing, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a very much an audiophile. I, my new PC build, I actually spent $150 on a sound card just so I could have the sound the way I want it to sound. Um, so I'm just working with software, trying to get you know what audio quality I'm acceptable with. So mm-hmm. Yeah, just it's quick, funny because, yeah, sorry. Just a quick note, anyone who does want to send in those emails, uh, Matthew at entertainmenttalk.org. Uh, that's all I was going to say. I was just going to say, it's funny how audio quality is so important when you're re- recording and creating content and having a good mic is one of the first things you sort um yet a lot of people actually consume our content on mobile phones with terrible speakers (laughs) and i always find that kind of interesting if your sound's not good enough people will pick up it immediately um but yeah a lot of people now sort of over 50 percent of views for pretty much everything are on mobile or with you know cheap headphones and things and um yeah, that it's 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 cool to see somebody still specking their computer for for sound. Yeah, it's really hard to. I mean, the pretty much the only name of the game is still Sound Blaster, which is you know has been a quality name for a very long time. But yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's a uh, Ryzen Seven. Uh, no, I, I the the production the new three thousands that I really wanted, they were just in so let such a the low production and with everything shut down it was just impossible to get but i did go ryzen 7 uh, 3200 i got uh, 16 gigs of ram and everything's all shiny and neon and glowy and very cool and it's yeah has it's it got colored lights how... it needs colored lights uh you're using a 20 year old keyboard what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but i have i have recently been gifted a new mouse and it has colored lights in it which i think helps wipe out all the other issues with the age of all of my tech. Um, But for me, the thing that I always try and spec out, because my history is, you know, graphic design, um, it's screens. I mean, I am currently using ancient screens, don't get me wrong, but one of my ancient screens um, was, you know, the 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 (laughs) incredible at the time when it came out, because for me as a graphic designer, the screen was the most important factor. and yeah, that's, that's one of the other things I need to update at some point. Because yeah, I worked in an electronic store. I worked in an electronic store when the first run of LCD screens came out. It was 15 inches and they were $1,500. I resisted wow. moving wow. to flat screens for ages because they didn't have the correct color profiling compared to the CRT screens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah. I was I was a late adopter, and I still have those same screens now. One of them is four three. So, um... <laughs> well, I have a personal hatred for those uh, CRTs, not out of their functionality, but because I worked a couple of years doing electronics recycling, and those things are heavy, yeah, and <laughs> mostly garbage, and you can't do anything with them because they're all lead coated. So you have to be like really careful with it. And they're vacuum sealed, so if they crack it all, they just go. Poof. 
all over the place, and so you got to be super, super careful, and it's just garbage. It's like 90% air and like a really low-grade circuit board, and then there's the degaussing wire on it, and there's just like a, a copper yoke on the back that you got to deal with, and they are a pain to take apart, and they are heavy. The mm-hmm. only other ones that I dislike more are the old projection screens because of those three lamps. They all have uh, glycol in them for cooling, so you can't even take them apart. You have to separate them out and then do special disposal with the glycol because that's a contaminant. Do they electrocute you in the same way as CRTs do? Because those those can throw a person across a room even if they've been unplugged for some time. Uh, no, but you got to be really careful with the uh, universal power supplies. Those you got to be super, super careful with because they will electrocute you. <laughs> and those are nothing but lead batteries. Like, like a UPS, if it's 50 pounds... 35 pounds of that is just lead batteries. And those are even worse to get rid of. Because um, where I live, it's $2.50 per pound as a fee to dispose of lead batteries. And some of the electronic equipment that we've gotten is server equipment. So you'll have a couple hundred pounds in batteries. Hell, we've gone on jobs to where we just have a pallet of used server rack batteries, and it's almost 2,000 pounds. And it's just used garbage. And if you don't charge them up within the first six months, they're useless and you can't do anything with them. Wow. Yeah. It's an incredible thing we don't really think of, I guess, with with the tech and people don't really see is what needs to happen with all of these recycling services and stuff like that. But at least we're moving forward now a bit and there's a a lot of countries are putting in place like, you know, there's not allowed to be any more um, planned obsolescence in in things like TVs and tech and stuff like that. So hopefully things will um, get used for longer moving forward. Yeah, hopefully. And it's getting better with the recycling because obviously... Um, there's a lot of precious metals in computers. I mean, anywhere there's circuitry, you've got cop, you've got gold and uh, copper. Any kind of uh, heat displacement, you got copper and aluminum. Uh, so there is value in recycling it, you know, on the business end. But it's it's all about volume. You got to do a lot of it to get a little bit out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what uh, else did you want to talk about, Robert? Uh Probably something I wanted to have at least one completely random topic. And so this is something that I've had to talk with with Matt on a couple of times is just the differences between the countries because I'm over here in the states and everybody else is over in the UK. Every now and then I'll have to ask, is this a thing in the UK? Because it's easier now because of the internet and we're it's a much more global society. But you know, go back to like in the 80s, you had no way of knowing if what you grew up with as quote normal was even around anywhere else. Yeah. So yeah. I did a little digging, I did a little, you know, internet rabbit hole. And I think I found probably the oddest thing that's going to be the biggest difference between the UK and the US, and it's uh, lemonade. Cause yeah, this UK, went around on Twitter recently. Yeah, because in America, lemonade is basically lemon, squeezed lemons, lemon juice, you throw that in the water, and then you mix up enough sugar to make it not bitter taste. And that's that's how everybody grows up with lemonade. It's basically just lemon water and sugar. Yeah. But you go any anywhere in the UK and it's um, basically Sprite or Seven Up or something variant <laughs> yeah. thereof. Yeah. 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 It's, it's traditional lemonade, which is the one you're talking about. But all of the the but the fizzy drink companies that you would call soda companies, they yeah. make lemonade as in a, a carbonated sugary 
lemon-ish flavoured thing. But yeah, we have like traditional lemonade or Sicilian lemonade in some posh restaurants, which is exactly the same thing, just with lemonades from a specific country. Um, uh, yeah, but generally, if you ask for lemonade over here, you will get cheap, fizzy rubbish. Yeah, yeah. But lem- lemonade, even even the tra- things that are, are marketed as traditional lemonade over here, a lot of that stuff is is still carbonated water, though. Even if it's kind of sugar lemons, it's still carbonated water, so it's still mm. fizzy. Oh yeah, they say still only, don't they? If they're actually still yes. traditional lemonade, we just added more words. We just got more choice. Yeah, yeah. The, the, those kind of what you, what Robert will refer to as lemonade is would be like still flat, like just lemon juice, sugar, and water. Yeah. So, yeah. So do yeah, Americans but... have orange aid and other aids because those are all fizzy drinks over here as well? Yeah. No, and the only other really big product brand that has aid in it is Gatorade. Right. Which yeah. is uh, a sports drink. Is that still? Is Gatorade still? Isn't it? Yeah. It's not yeah. fizzy. Whereas everything with an aid actually... over here is fizzy. Yeah. yeah. And the reason why it's called Gatorade is because it was in, uh, invented at the University of Florida for their American football team. And their mascot is the Gators. So Gator Gosh. 8. Ah, I've learned something. I had no idea. Yeah, I I I got involved in this whole lemonade conversation on Twitter with people because I I quite like these conversations. I find them very very amusing. You just start throwing in other things like what are biscuits and gravy at people, um, and that you know that that tends to escalate things or or the difference between like um American tea, which they generally drink iced tea versus British tea, which is builders tea, um. And uh, I, I find it very interesting. Like I learned like uh, a while ago that the reason that Americans like make their their hot water on the hob is because of the difference in the like the, the you know the amperage and wattage of the plugs over there. So it's it's more efficient for you guys to heat water on the hob. And kettles would take ages, which is why you don't use electric kettles so much, is what I've been told. Although there there is a, a kind of a surgence of electric kettles because they've gotten so much better. Like I have okay. an electric kettle. Um, and it can get water from room temperature to boiling in like two minutes. It just... Yeah, so that's <clears throat> much more like over here in the UK. Yeah. 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 But are people in the States of... aware of the fact in the UK, like at primetime TV, when there's an advert break, we genuinely, we genuinely have extra power put in the grid because all the kettles turn on. Like yeah. that's not a meme. That's an actual fact over right. here. That's yeah. true story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, but it's always those little oh. things like that because um, it was one podcast we were talking about. I had to ask if uh, KFC was a thing because that uh, Dream Daddy KFC dating sim came out, and oh, I was right. just like, yeah, because yeah. anything like food based or like very very specific to a brand, I always have to ask, is this a thing in the UK? So <laughs> yeah, we tend to be aware of a fair amount of American brands, even if we don't entirely like I, I knew I knew Gatorade was a thing, but I assumed it was a sugary fizzy thing. I didn't realize it was a still sports thing, but we get so much American media that there is a, a fair amount of, of understanding, I think, whereas something like the lemonade thing going around, it, it practically went viral on Twitter. Um, being being a thing and like loads of people were getting involved australians were getting involved as well it was like it was like everyone was kind of like piling in on this and i find it really funny that that that, that is a thing that hadn't been a, a massive discussion yet that was the one that's now that's now the hot topic it's just good fun 
Mm. Yeah, I saw there was actually one this morning about beans on toast. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, being a thing in the UK and not necessarily anywhere else. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Well, so it'll go bad if they see you have beans and cheese on toast as well then. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Then they can get into the whole, you know, is this is this is this cheese on toast? Is this a toasted cheese sandwich? What what is this kind of situation as well? I love it. I think maybe that a lot of people are spending a lot more time at home right now and um, they're thinking <laughs> yeah. a lot more and they're asking questions maybe they never asked before and they include <laughs> lemonade and beans on toast and I feel like maybe I don't know are we all getting to know each other a little bit better <laughs> because yeah. they're asking these weird things that just never occur to you otherwise yeah over here in the states beans pretty much only has two applications it's either cooked in with rice or it's just deluged with barbecue sauce there's like <laughs> only two ways you can find beans there's never just like beans as a side dish that's just cooked beans it's either buried in like 10 gallons of barbecue sauce or it's uh, mixed in with rice <laughs> we've learned yeah, we... something educational yes. way to uh <laughs> to round things up awesome <laughs> Cool. Uh, I think uh, that's it for the podcast. Um, well, thank you everybody for joining me today on the podcast and for being part of the podcast. Um, hopefully we can do something similar sometime soon and hopefully uh, include Barry next time. He doesn't actually have any internet at the moment, so that's why he wasn't able to join us uh, today. He's got to get that fixed and sorted out. And um, yeah, we'll see how that goes next time. But thank you everybody for joining uh, today. And um, yeah, I think we'll wrap things up. So... Let's go. Let's go through where we can find everybody. So, of course, you can find me, David, sometimes Bex, and Robert, of course, on EntertainmentTalk.org for lots of different stuff. We've uh, wrapped up recently a few different shows. Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, Westworld, are all uh, basically wrapped up. Uh, Bex is streaming quite a lot from uh, what she told me earlier on uh, Twitch. Trista Bytes, B Y T E S. Uh, Bex, how's that going at the moment? Yeah, it's going really well. I'm streaming like eight or nine times a week at the moment. Uh, which is going, which is going well. It, it's. I just thought, you know, now is the time since um, all my regular work is obviously on hold. There are no events right now, so now is the time to sort of throw myself into that and um, keep people company a little bit. Being a, a sort of geek nonsense chatter in the background while people are working from home and doing some gay play in the evenings. And obviously, I still have the Trista Bites YouTube channel with all the normal content over there as well. Cool. So if you search on Twitch for uh, Trista Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S, or just search for Trista Bytes, uh, you should be able to find that. Go and follow her over there and um, yeah, get up to date with the streams and everything like that. Uh, all the geeky chatter and gaming and everything else that's happening over there. Uh, for David and uh, Grey as well. Grey is, of course, one of the co-hosts for uh, Geek Town. That's geektown.co.uk for TV and film news. Like David said earlier, uh, we're at that point where some of the shows are getting renewed, renewed and cancelled. So if you want to keep up to date with that, geektown.co.uk and Geek Town Radio, of course, on Tuesday in podcast format uh so that is that over there um yeah if you want to support the podcast and support entertainment talk as well uh patreon we're on there please check out the one dollar and three dollar level tiers amazon affiliate link if you're shopping on amazon we can get a small cut but it won't cost you extra um itunes feeds please rate review and subscribe to those both to geek town and to entertainment talk just search for those two things on your podcast service and get subscribed rate review all that's good stuff uh word of mouth if you want to tell people either about trista bites uh, the twitch streams geek town or entertainment talk uh, you can do that as well and of course you can share all that stuff around on social media so facebook twitter and if you can in different facebook groups uh and like we said for twitch streaming 
uh, Bex, um, Trista Bytes, B-Y-T-E-S. Uh, I'm on Twitch sometimes when it wants to work and things. <laughs> and uh, David sometimes does that as well for the Mixer streams, for the FIFA stuff, uh, for the 2026 to 2027 season. Uh, that's on Mixer as well. And Robert sometimes streams on there. And also look out for Let's Play Sundays if you missed the Moss uh, finale, the PSVR game. You can check that out as well. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you everybody for joining today. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.